Welcome back to another opportunity to open God's Word and be nourished tonight in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, find verses 34 and 35. John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I hear a lot lately about podcasts, audio and video podcasts. In fact, I saw a headline today that said that's part of the next generation of learning. A lot of people don't read much anymore or listen to lengthy documentaries or something like that, but three or four minute podcasts seem to be capturing a lot of attention. You can access on your phone, listen while you're driving, doing yard work or housework, on our website, you'll find three to four minute podcasts on Hebrews. And those are also available if you have iTunes on your phone. Just enter my name and Hebrews, and it ought to come up. Not now, but later. Try that. This is a relatively new medium, and I'm planning other podcast projects, and I'll be giving updates from time to time. Tonight, we're in John chapter 13. Verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. When Jesus said this, he was talking to his disciples the men who became the apostles. And some of what he said to his disciples in this part of John pertain only to them. But when Jesus spoke of the necessity of obedience and prayer and daily discipleship and love, he was expressing his expectations for all of his followers. Now, when Jesus told these men to wait in Jerusalem, that pertained to them. But when Jesus spoke about matters of discipleship and love and obedience, those are his expectations for all of his followers. And I believe that's certainly the case here. He said, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. More about context. This is in that section of the Gospel of John where Jesus is preparing these men for his departure. See, look back at verse 33. He said to them, where I am going, you cannot come. They would be on the earth to carry out the Great Commission. They would stay there on the earth after Jesus ascended back to the Father but also to live in a certain way, exhibiting toward each other the love Christ exhibited to them. They would not only preach under the authority of the Great Commission, they would live under the authority of their King, Jesus Christ. And he lays out here what he expects of them, and this is part of what he said. Listen one more time. A new commandment. I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. We're going to take that up tonight and make certain that our attitudes and actions reflect this important instruction from the Lord. First of all, this does not mean there was no requirement of love before Jesus spoke these words. If somebody says love wasn't required in the Old Testament, it was instituted by Christ, that statement is half wrong. Christ certainly instituted love. He gave it new meaning, but love was part of God's law in the Old Testament. One of the most famous statements about love, quoted by Christ, often heard, is in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. You'll recognize it as soon as I begin to quote it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's Old Testament. See, as God dealt with the Jewish nation before Christ came through the Old Testament law given through Moses, there was a requirement enjoined on all to love God and as a product of that love for God to love each other. And it was framed in a variety of ways. For instance, in Leviticus 19, 17 and 18, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. That's Leviticus 19, 17 and 18. And it's framed in a different way over in the book of Proverbs. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That's Proverbs 3, 3 through 4. So when I come to John 13, 34, where Jesus talks about a new commandment, I cannot draw from that, that love didn't become necessary until he spoke these words. All through the Old Testament, God enjoined love on the people. So, what this highlights in John chapter 13 is the rich dimension of loving one another as Christ loves us. So he took the concept and he infused into it the meaning that his life gave to the concept of love. It is not that love is just now being introduced in John 13. It is not that God had never spoken on the subject before this. In the Old Testament we've read, love was written in that law. The newness is, now there is a living, breathing example on earth walking among the disciples, showing them, leading them. Jesus, in the time of his earthly life, and now as recorded in New Testament narratives, is the perfect model of what love is, what love does, how love reacts to adversity, 
how far love goes in giving and in serving. During the Old Testament era, there was the concept of love. It was written in the sentences we read a moment ago. Admonitions punctuated what God desires. Hatred was condemned. They had all that under the law. Now, through the life of Christ on earth, accompanied by his teaching, there was a newness to it, a rich dimension infused into love was his example. So in Jesus' life, as documented by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the message is, this is what love is about. This is what love is about. In this perfect model, the behavior of love is conveyed in a way it had not been conveyed before by a living, breathing example on earth. I say again, Jesus in the time of his earthly life and now as recorded in the New Testament is the perfect model of what love is. What love does. How love reacts to adversity. How far love goes in giving and serving. This is loving one another as Jesus loved us. You need to read it that way. Not a long pause. This is loving one another as Jesus loved us. That's what's taught in John 13, 34, and 35. Now, I wonder, can we find an illustration? His suffering and his death is primary in illustrative value. His whole life illustrates his love for us. But is there something really concrete? Is there something in more in the category of the ordinary and the earthly that we can rely on as an example of Christ's love? You still have John 13 open? I want you to go back to verse 1. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end during supper. When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapping around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. 
Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. Truly, truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. There was nothing like this in the Old Testament narrative. Nothing like this in the Old Testament narrative. This is the Son of God on earth showing how love produces service. Washing the feet of his disciples. Illustrating what he wanted them to do in serving others. Loving one another as Jesus loves us sometimes encompasses the mundane. It means serving one another even in the most menial task. While I should be willing to suffer and die for you and you for me, the likelihood of that circumstance is slim. Certainly I cannot duplicate what Jesus did on the cross in terms of atonement. He was the perfect Lamb of God. But in a whole varieties of ways, in word and deed, I can follow Christ's example of service to you and you to me. The new commandment is love in imitation of Christ's love. A new commandment I give to you, he said, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Jesus' life gives a fresh understanding and rich meaning to what love is about. The motive is not that love is on the list of duties, though it is. The motive is not to stay out of hell, though that is a reality. The motive is in response to the new commandment, loving that follows the pattern Jesus set. And we ought to think of it as a privilege what a blessing that we can know what love is in this framework of Jesus' example, the narrative of his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we have the capacity to imitate that toward one another. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Third, when this love is practiced consistently, it identifies who we are. Jesus said, by this, all people will know 
that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Genuine love, as illustrated and taught by Christ, is attractive. It is not normal in the world. People see it and take note. People may not know much about us. People may not really be informed well about why we do what we do and what we believe, what we teach, and how we worship. There may be many misimpressions about us. But if people see that we love one another, that's attractive. It makes an impression. While we do not see ourselves on a stage performing to an audience, the reality of our existence on earth is people see us. They get to know us. And they draw conclusions. This is why Jesus said in another place, let your light shine. Have you ever been to a place an event, a church assembly, maybe a family gathering or a meeting, and you feel uncomfortable and ill at ease and maybe embarrassed, there is tension because you are not convinced the people care about each other. You're not convinced the people care about each other. And your reaction is, how quick can I get out of here? You almost smell and taste the immaturity. The conflict is written like on the countenances of the faces of the people as if it were on a billboard and you can't stand it. Hate is disconcerting. It is distracting. It is threatening. Love is attractive. Even if people do not yet grasp all the foundational principles and the motivations by which we are driven, when love is observed in a group, in a relationship, it makes a positive impression. And it may open a door. Jesus is saying, when you love each other like I love you, people know something good about you. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I was reading about this a couple of weeks ago when, when working on this sermon. I came to this reference that was striking that I'd never encountered before. The ancient historian Tertullian wrote his documents about a century after John. Tertullian. And he said, this is a paraphrase of what he wrote, the pagans of his day marveled at the love of Christians for one another. In circumstances where ordinarily pagan and worldly people would go at each other. In circumstances where Christians were persecuted unjustly, sometimes ferociously assaulted. Tertullian said, this is a quote from his documents, see how they love one another. See how they love one another. Folks, 
Orthodoxy without heart is empty, does not glorify God, and is not attractive. If you just have a set of beliefs and you follow a set of rules without sincere heart and zeal, it is motion without right motive. This is a command, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I'll tell you that when I studied this, the thought occurred to me, I can do better about this. I can do better. Maybe you've concluded you can do better. We can do better. Let's do it together. Loving God and as a product of that, loving each other as exemplified by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's be standing as we sing.